Every perspective has the potential to cloud the judgment of another. Concerning our conversation on today's episode, don't let it. Humility is of utmost importance to the integrity of perspective. Before you judge, criticize, critique, or draw conclusions about anybody's life, understand that you only know what you think you know. You only see what you think you see. You only hear what you think you hear. You only feel what you think you feel. And you only believe what you think you believe. Here's your opportunity to listen to a perspective outside your own. Will you take it? Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It's literally with Elsie. I'm here today with Marissa Rodriguez. Um, please introduce yourself. Let the people know. Hi, live from San Antonio. Marissa Rodriguez, Vice President of Strategic Planning at Great Hearts. Great Hearts. Wait, what's, well, first of all, what's Great Hearts? Great Hearts is a charter school, and Great Hearts, Texas is, we're both in North Texas and San Antonio, so we've got 12 campuses serving over 10,000 kids. Thank you first for joining. Uh, yeah, I think well, we should name that I'm the first one as a 30-year-old on this podcast. Like, I want to set the stage and claim it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you are. I feel like are. we should talk about this age, generations, and then that piece too. That was good. Yeah, we absolutely. Should promote it. I feel like. Yeah, we we. I mean, all the guests before were college students, so uh-huh. that's a complete different. I mean, talking in general is going to be different for me. So um, yeah, we could. Uh, thanks for acknowledging that. Uh, yeah. So, be being the only one with a job. I guess you could say, or a real job. <laughs> it's a tough responsibility. Yeah, I'll exactly. do my best. Um, my, my first question would be, um, like, what got you interested in kind of your path towards education? So I went to the University of Oregon. I graduated as an advertising major in the journalism school with a minor in business. So education was not anything I had thought about. And I just randomly saw an email from Teach for America and it was, you know, it had a series of questions. Are you willing to move? Do you want to freeze your student loans? <laughs> you know, would you be interested in teaching? And so I applied and that sent me down to the Rio Grande Valley. And so that's where I became a high school English teacher teaching 10th and 11th graders uh, fresh out of college. And that was my first job in the workforce. Mm. Yeah, I remember we talked a little bit about that. That was like the, the star kind of writing was your first job? Yeah, yeah. Like as a first-year teacher, they didn't have curriculum for me, and I didn't know how to teach. You know, I had gone through institute, and it was a crash course, but, you know, I was just Googling lesson plans, and there's just so much grading. Teaching is by far the hardest job. I mean, there's never been a more worthy use of time but also certainly one of the most difficult so it was an experience I feel really grateful that that's how my working career started because it just really set the tone and really solidified just how I was going to spend the better part of my professional career so I didn't think I could always be a teacher but I knew I would probably always be in education hmm. yeah I mean that's that's really intriguing to me just because both my parents are teachers um, I'm kind of wanting to go in that profession as well. We talked a little bit about that, but um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I guess that that freedom. I, I want to give a little bit into that of like curriculum choice, because mm-hmm. like writing is a huge where you can kind of paint your own curriculum, and in, in, in my opinion, where you can I don't know design the lessons around what you want to. I don't know. 
I'm gonna ask you that. Yeah. When you designed your lessons around the things of writing, um, what was the thing that you tried to focus on, or, or was there a focus, or? I mostly just modeled it after current events. I felt like if I could just associate it with things that felt relevant and things that they were also already hearing about, hopefully even discussing about, it was another vehicle in which they could express themselves outside of just what they knew, which was just, you know, verbal communication to unlock something like written communication. Sometimes that was the first experience they really had with that. And the variety of just skill level in a single classroom, people don't understand the talent it takes to be a teacher. You know, there are children that you really have to just help them keep the concentration to hold a pencil for a whole paragraph. And then there's people that, you know, they just came to this country and they're learning all of this in a new language. And then, you know, you have your students that are gifted and are just unfortunately having to help the rest because there's just so much need in a single classroom so shout out to teachers because it's it's a very very artful craft that they do yeah yeah shout out to my parents too yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely that's, that's cool. you had a you great for, example for thank you um but yeah that i heard while i was listening is the verbal between a verbal and written mm-hmm. um i want to ask a little bit about that like what was was it a challenge to get that communication to I don't know be fluent for the for the kids or was it easier to for them to write was it easier for them to just talk or how did you they definitely default to talking I would say uh even just to try it's the motor skills you know even just the concentration we're probably going to get into that today the focus that's but honestly one of the interesting things that I found that they did not typically just innately know was imagination and that was tough because you're thinking that you're giving them a lot of room you know write anything what's the first thing that comes to your brain or just make up a story but if you don't actually have the muscle developed to use an imagination it's very difficult so I felt like that's why it was easier for them to attach an association to something that was tangible and relevant and just reachable for them And so imagination was like the stretch goal, you know, like just think of an original thought. That's something that we take for granted because you assume everyone can do it. But if you're not taught how, then it's challenging. Yeah, to think of imagination as like a muscle, that's that's a a cool topic because I'm huge in like imagination that outdoor the outside is where your imagination can run right in my opinion and, and like having that ability to to let it run but in a specific type of way that's both contributing and I don't know a little bit of fun yeah yeah I, I, like I love the outdoors but um side note <laughs> how did um uh, like did you ever find any students you said current events back when you were starting what were most many of what were most of the current events that um you kind of brought up did they involve did they concentrate around a certain thing let me think about this you're gonna have to help me what was going on in 2013 to 2015 i feel like i'll say did you try to concentrate the current events around a specific thing Mm, no i didn't want to have an agenda i mostly just wanted to 
honestly keep their attention. <laughs> I, w I was in competition with, you know, a lot going on in their lives. So trying to just be the most interesting thing that they were thinking about was like a daily challenge. You know, you have to be, it was almost like clickbait. Like, how am I going to present this assignment in a way that just feels interesting enough for them to pay attention to hear the instructions to then do it, you know? Yeah, that's... You're battling that cell phone, oof, you know. Yeah, especially nowadays. <laughs> AirPods in their ears, you know. It's it's a it's a different world out there now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm growing up in it. Like, I'm, I'm still trying to learn where I'm going in it. Right. Yeah, that is a challenge. I just worry about the upcoming generations just being able to focus. Uh, because, I mean, just talking about the topic of this podcast, I think that's where the efficiencies are. I don't think it's an efficiency game. I think it's a game of focus. But that in itself is also a muscle that I just, I don't know. There seems to be a lot more distraction nowadays than even when I was, you know, I had like MySpace and that kind of thing when I was in high school. But it's just, I don't know. It's going to be interesting just to see how this, group transfers into I guess the quote unquote real world yeah yeah because a lot of it's in the cloud nowadays and I, I am I, I feel like that's just personally like because imagination right you were talking about imagination and how that can run free and then you were talking about it's a battle of attention of keeping the, the topic focused right um did you ever find uh, a happy medium between, did you help help like try to build their focus or would you help try to build their imagination? Like which one was lacking more in your opinion? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it transfers into different ways. So for example, can you focus on your imagination? You know, that's a way to look at it. Can you stay on a topic that feels uncomfortable and doesn't come natural to you or easy long enough to get somewhere? Like, that's how you work that muscle. Yeah, you just have to live in the nothing's coming to me. And for some students, it was a really emotional reaction because it was like a sense of failure or a panic. I can't do this, uh, you know. And so you have to understand that when you get, like, kids would get angry in my class because I was touching on a weakness for them and then you know they didn't want to, their friends to know that perhaps that this wasn't a strength for them so we're all just at the most basic level just humans with needs and needs to feel seen and accepted and I mean that it doesn't matter what you're doing all human experience is that whether it's in the workforce or the classroom or all things in between mm -hmm. yeah and emotion factors heavily into into learning. Right. Like em emotional learning, because I mean, I feel like you learn right alongside of your what's in reality, and you're going through an experience on your own. And the better that you can not merge, but like navigate between the two, I feel like is is an opportunity to learn. Right. Um, yeah. Those skills transfer to the workforce, too, because ultimately at the highest level in corporations, it's ideation. That's what they call it up there. So that's like a 
business buzzword, I guess, right? And now they have like design-based thinking, agile project management. Like they just call it different things, but essentially you're just organizing your thoughts and you're figuring out a timeline and how to execute and you bring people along. So all those things, if you boil them down, are the same as like focus, conscious thought, and then a plan. That's writing. Yeah, and not only that, like hearing you say that, that's like your job strategic planning. Mm-hmm. And one of the quotes that you kind of said to me um, uh, a while back was, or was it, what got us here is not going to get you there. Mm-hmm. Um, can, you, can you get into a little bit of that as far as how it relates to, like, the translation between an emotional experience and something tangible into the real world? Yeah. Well, I think that kids are just more honest about what they feel, but adults all are having emotional reactions. They're just not showing it because they've been conditioned not to. So I don't think there's that big of a jump from one experience to the other. But I think in both settings, you have to feel like you just got to feel a win. You know, I'm getting a little bit better. I see I couldn't do this yesterday. I can do this today. Uh, I just, my effort is somewhat tangible, even if it's marginal or incremental. And I think someone asked me a while back, you know, if I'm trying to strategic plan my life, what do I need to know? And I thought that was a really good question. It was from uh, an ABLDP cohort participant, which is the Hispanic Chambers Leadership Group. And I think I responded something just about to give yourself more time than you think you need. Everything takes longer and time is your best friend. And so just not giving up and trying something over and over and over again, which is why I refer to things as muscles because they must be worked and practiced consistently to get better. And a lot of people fall into a trap and they think I'm only good at what I innately am good at. I'm only good at what I start out being good at. But if everyone took the approach of, no, I can actually improve this, then they would just open themselves up to being better at a lot of things that frustrate them. Hmm. I don't know if any of my students got there. (laughs) (laughs) We had a good time. You can only hope. I mean, that's that's part of it, I feel like. Um, Because if you knew where they were going, then your incentive would be taken away a little bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I want to get in a little bit less about, like, now we're like halfway uh, less about like student and education based and more of how like you personally take that into practice in, in your life in how you model the things that you do um i know that you wake up early uh, you're an early riser how does that factor into quote quote strategically planning not your life but your day well i have to give credit to my one and a half year old because she really turned me into an early riser i would wake up early around six or seven but she's like a sharp 5 30 a.m six is sleeping in she really attacks the day <laughs> she wakes up ready to go so i just had to match her energy and i just thought i can't be upset every day <laughs> to be up this early so i just thought about like And all things that I struggle with, I try to reframe, like, how can I be grateful for this? What's what's the benefit of this right now? And I just decided I was going to be grateful for early mornings when no one else is awake. I'm just getting a head start on the day. And, you know, it takes a village 
raising children. So I have a lot of people that help me out in the mornings, even so that I can go work out before work. And I was telling you before we started this, you know, I just, I, I enjoy going somewhere in the morning where we're just a group of people that are all different jobs, different ages, different walks of life. But we just have this agreement that in the morning, we're all going to just spend a lot of energy to start our day off right. And, you know, it's just a lot of camaraderie and it's just a cool way to start your day. And you check it off the box and you walk out just a little more awake. You're ready for the day. Yeah, yeah that's that's cool. I mean, yeah, working out, growing up working out, uh, that's huge. And then other, on the, one of the other podcasts, we talked about sports and football. Yeah. Because uh, one of the other guys I interviewed, he was my quarterback. And uh, we talked a lot about how, like, it was positional, more of, but how, like, that focus versus being, like, alone and focusing and being in a group and focusing, like, both of them built on each other. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you right now, as far as how that translated into a job and, like, what you're taking, bringing to your work day, like, do you find yourself, I don't know, We'll start with like thinking about uh, the workout that you did to motivate you sometimes if you are like talking about that emotional experience like if you are feeling down or less do you sometimes think back to the start of that day or do you lean on that group or, or what kind of motivates you I mean physically you feel the endorphins right so you're already just you have a leg up because you just feel like that rush of just positivity um, I would say that it's also puts to bed any negativity that you might have woken up with or just if you had a negative thought or emotion just for whatever reason, it's just a quick reset. I think that's helpful. And I always feel like grateful that I have the ability to be healthy and move my body. Like that's not something that I take for granted. So I think it's like a, a way to start your day being grateful for something that you get to do. And so if you have that mindset, like, you can't lose. Yeah. Uh, that's the, like, you use this very specific word there that I like pointing out is get to. Our coach, uh, his name is Coach Ritter, shout out again. Uh, he talks about have to, want to, get to. Like, everything starts at something, not everything, but a lot of things start as a have to and a want to and then a get to. Um, what do you, the questions that I've asked some of the, the kids in our program is, like, what's your why, mm -hmm. right? And that factors into, like, get to. Mm -hmm. Because get to motivates you regardless if you want to. Right. So what would you think that you use as your, like, why currently? Like, why you get to or use that word? Why do I get to use the word get to? That's a cool question. Um, I think that... I used to have a lot of ambition towards, I wanted to just be successful, uh, not just for the monetary value, but I think I also wanted recognition, like maybe to be known, at the very least, just I wanted to be invited to the table. That was a driving factor for me. I wanted to be in conversations that were being had, whether it was in the city or just in my workplace. Like I wanted to be able to have an opinion that was heard at a really early age, probably before I deserved it or had any <laughs> business being in those spaces, right? But I remember that was my goal, was to be someone that could 
influenced change. Um, and that was like a driving factor. And that was my why for like my early 20s, probably mid 20s and then even up until late 20s when it started changing was probably when I turned 30 I realized that those kind of accomplishments or that kind of recognition was good um, but it wasn't as meaningful as like the relationships around me um, you know I think my time best spent is with my loved ones and that is what I get to do so then all of a sudden work became, I get to enjoy my job, which is a privilege, um, but I also get to do this job to provide for my family and create opportunities to spend time with them and have a work-life balance because I've worked so hard and grinded for so many years that now I can uh, be part of my daughter's life in a really active way and have that balance so early in my career is because I got really laser focused on my why and what I wanted to achieve for myself and my family and it was a very uh, focusing exercise I think for me like I had to work harder smarter but in less time hmm. yeah well, I mean arguably more efficient <laughs> Efficiency for the sake of free time to spend with loved ones. I think that was like my baseline driver. I don't want to be so burnt out by the end of the day. I don't want to have to come home at 8 p.m. too tired to pour into my family. So how am I going to leverage my time to get my work done in a reasonable amount of time with the maximum amount of productivity in the least amount of time so that I can go home and spend it where I want to? Hmm. What, what time do you usually end up going to sleep? I go to sleep anywhere from like, I mean, you have to remember, I'm up early, so I go yeah. to sleep anywhere from like 9.30 to 10.30. If it's 11, it's late for me. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the sleep's important. <laughs> I miss it. Yeah. I used to be able to, you know, nine hours, eight hours now, like a solid six if I'm lucky. Yeah. So That's I don't think good. I'm working at my prime most ideal state i'm a little sleep deprived still but mm. you make do yeah huh. i mean that, that's sleep factors into like a huge part of that gratefulness part i feel like um do you feel i'm gonna ask you that question depending on like how much sleep you get because i mean you probably pay attention to that pretty often um what's uh how does your gratefulness of the day start depending on the amount of sleep you get? does it impact it i mean mm. i'm sure it does I think I've just gotten better on less sleep over time. So my daughter's 19 months. And so, you know, RIP sleep 19 months ago. But no, it gets better. I think the first couple months is just unreal. And it's like, it's so physical. Like, you you know, you can't even think straight. You feel like it's like a torture tactic. <laughs> you just don't even have conscious thought. Like, you're just delirious. Oh, but that gets better, and then you start sleeping more, and then you just, I'm like a really light sleeper now, so, you know, any little sound, but you just feel really grateful when she sleeps until 6.45 a.m., and you're just like, yes, what a late start to the day. Yeah, huh. <laughs> yeah that's, that's huge. That, that changes, like, the change that timetable where you're grateful to wake up at 6.45, like, wow. Yeah, what, that's what, a late day. That's nice. What did it take to, like, I mean, you talked a little bit about your daughter, but what did it take to for you to get to 
like, all right, 6.45, like, that's a gift. What does it take to you to get to where time is, is a gift as opposed to uh, the opposite of that? I mean, first and foremost, anytime you wake up is a gift because there's a lot of people that didn't. Mm. There's a lot of people that did not wake up today and they thought they were going to. You know, so every single day that you open your eyes, your first thought should be, thank you, God, for giving me this day. So that right there sets the tone, I think. And then after that, you just have to think about every situation. It's like, yeah, I could be upset about this not being ideal or for me, but look how much it is going for me. Look how much I have. You know, there's always something that you can point to to be grateful for. And when you treat your life as a gift, it's just more fun. Like, yes, this is a good thing today to be here, to be able to do this, you know? So to think the opposite would just essentially be a prisoner to your own life, just sitting there going through one task that you have to. But I do think it takes a lot of work, a lot of self-awareness, and a lot of reflection to even figure out what it is that makes you happy and what you like to do. And a lot of people feel very stuck in whatever choices they're in or whatever lifestyle they're in. So it's a journey, too. That's not something that happens overnight. Did you, did you ever feel stuck in, like, a certain age that you were kind of growing up? sounds like you're definitely unstuck now but yeah I feel unstuck um a lot of different stages I would say that um getting out of the classroom for me if I'm being honest I felt really stuck like oh no I only have this one particular set of skills but I'm not that great at teaching and I love these kids but I'm not that good at this (laughs) and so I felt I think I had job search for like six months straight and it was just I didn't have that many transferable skills because I did not want to be in the classroom and I had no business teaching other people how to teach you know so I was really trying to figure out how to stay in education and uh shout out to my first mentor I ever had was John Stevens yep he well he still works for Teach for America and he's in the Rio Grande Valley and he met with me once a month at a coffee shop first Monday of every month and we talked about just how I was gonna make my next move and what I wanted to do and how I could do that still staying in education because that was my passion and and so that's when I landed up my next job as a fundraiser yeah, well, I mean, one of the one of the kind of quotes that you also started, where we started in the beginning, was "What got you here won't get you there." Um, can you talk about that a little bit, mixing that into like your progression of what you learning what you wanted? You can't be scared of change. Everything is changing. To try to hold on to anything is not good it's not realistic so you just have to be ready to just evolve and pivot and you know different things different factors it's always changing like what you know today the factors that make things true today are not necessarily going to be tomorrow so you just have to really be present in where you're at and the space you're in and what you're doing now and just know that it's a gift right coming back to that it's a gift so it's going to change and there's not much you can do about it so I think that 
you have to be flexible to just like move you know whether that's a career whether that's you know anything so I think that you just have to be really light on your feet and not committed to one version of your life because you know you just don't know what God has for you and you just have to be willing to receive whatever is coming so I would say that's like my personal evolution is just opening up what I saw for myself and then just trusting that there's even more yeah, trust. That's huge. It's something that I've, I've thought about a lot is um, even like a harness, right? You're rappelling off of something. And, um, like, there's two options because you're in the harness. You're going to fall. You can either trust the harness or you can think that the harness is going to break, right? And that changes the whole, like, revenue of the climb, right? How did you learn to let go of that feeling that, I wouldn't say that it's going to break, but mixing that in with change, pretend that change is that mountain. Like, how did you let go of the feeling that change is going to hurt me? Mm, I don't know if I ever fully let that go. <laughs> and I think, you know, if I'm being honest, there's always some of that, that fear that this is going to hurt. I'm not going to like it as much over there. Let me stay here to what I know, because over there I don't know. Are you sure it's going to be good? You know? that takes a lot of trust and there's always a little bit of fear just like on the other side of it but I just think that for me personally and my set of beliefs is that like there is just a plan for me and I believe that it is good and so whether you believe in a higher power or just the universe or what have you ultimately just believing good things for yourself the power of positivity is is real you know you can attract energy however you want to define it ultimately your words have power your thoughts have power so you're going in one direction at all times anyway and if you're not intentional about that direction it's it's never that you're just going to be neutral stagnant we are energy we are time like all these things have motion and so you're always headed in a a direction one step will always lead you in a certain direction and so not only do you have to acknowledge that we're in constant motion, again, to the factors of change, uh, you also have to acknowledge that you're responsible for the general direction that you're going in, and that intentional- intentionality is really key. Otherwise, your life will just happen to you, and likely it won't look like what you want it to if you don't get in front of it and design it for yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Drop mic? Is that it? Yeah, that's dropping mic. Cool. Yeah, thank you, Marissa. This was a great conversation. Um, And now for the outro. Just like facts, this conversation today only holds context if it's backed with evidence. Nobody other than the person who lived the conversation has the evidence to support the facts presented. So don't sell yourself short and get wrapped up in trying. Nobody asked for your help. Take what's been said and leave what hasn't. Don't try and bridge the gap. Life comes and life goes. When will you notice the difference? Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.